morning. Because we too often are exactly like those seagulls, aren't we? Mine, 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 mine. And sometimes we just need to be told in nicer language to cut it out. Well, time is kind of trendy. Telling us on inevitably. The problem is that there are still dishes in the sink. And there is still laundry that has to be done. And the to-do list doesn't magically vanish just because another book is written on margin or rest or going slower. Peace and rest to get done. And so this morning as we begin this new series titled Not Mine, we're going to take a hard look at our time. So turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 119. 29 to 32, Psalm 119, 29 to 32, and if you have your paper Bible with you and you're kind of not used to navigating it, if you open it right up to the middle, you're likely in the book of Psalms. So just flip right or left depending on where you open it, Psalm 119, 29 to 32, but if you do not have a paper Bible with you and you don't already have one on your smartphone, if you head over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible. There are links to both Android and iOS um, app stores there. I'm going to read this for, from the New Living Translation because that's what I use in my day-to-day devotions, and that's where this hit me in the heart. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. So God, this morning, God, we recognize the tendency that we have to be exactly like those seagulls. To be like little children hoarding all the toys of life. How often our selfishness wins. But would you lift our eyes once again to a story greater than ourselves to the reality of a life of fulfillment and purpose which is found in your plans. And God, would you help us this morning to be honest with ourselves and to determine to live faithfully. So as always, Spirit of Truth, would you go out and would you allow words that are just born of myself just to float away, but God, you are the one who brings change and so would your words Lord, go forth in power. In your precious name, amen. Well, I want to give you both the most freeing and the most sobering news in one this morning. This is it. Your time is not yours. My time is not mine. Our time is not ours For those of you who have chosen to recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your time was turned over to him at that moment when you chose to bow your knee in surrender. And while you also 
like you're turning it over, you have to also come to the simultaneous recognition that all along it was his. That all along this life that you're living was a gift to you. You just didn't know it yet. And so how do we live a life of honesty and faithfulness in the midst of overwhelmed and stretched too thin culture? How do we live faithfully, determined to follow his instructions, expanding our understanding of what that looks like in a very self-care, self-focused, do-what-feels-good-to-you culture? How do we do that? Well, I have an assignment for you to begin. You need to introduce yourself to someone sitting beside you. And it's okay if it's your spouse or someone in your family because you are going to introduce yourself in five words. Five words that describe who you are. You cannot use your name. You cannot use your occupation or your hobbies or your relational roles. So friends is out, sisters out, fathers out, all of those, okay? Five adjectives that describe you. Yes, you have to do it. On your marks, get set, go. And if you're sitting alone, find someone else that is sitting alone. Okay, I'm hearing like cheating going on, like I am. No, 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 those are not two words. Those are filler. <laughs> All five must be adjectives. Can you go over to this side for a moment and just introduce? Okay, how did you do? Good? Well, I don't know about you, but I did this at a ladies' retreat, um, and I found it really hard. Like, isn't it funny how we often introduce ourselves by how we spend our time? We introduce ourselves by what we do. I use my job title, or I use, like, I'm a mom, and I'm a wife. And we can be really quick to introduce ourselves and to buy into this lie that who we are is what we do. It's how we spend our time. But is that really true? Are we only what we do, or are we more than our time? And I'd say, of course, we are, but we buy into these lies that keep us stuck in the rush. They keep us stuck in the overwhelm, in this vortex of stretch too thin. And this morning we're going to call them the deceit of rush, or the rush of deceit, sorry. And that is the first one, the first lie we buy into. You are what you do. But friends, there really isn't anything further than the truth. 
See, when we give in to this lie, it whispers to us, stay engaged, stay busy, because this is who you are. And if you give that up, if you slow down, then what? Then who are you? But friends, that's not who you are. You aren't defined by your work. You're defined by who God created you to be at creation. And what you do flows out of who you are. Who you are isn't what you do. What you do flows out of who you are. Truth says that you are loved. The voice of Jesus whispers that you're chosen, that you're redeemed, that you've been bought at a great cost, that you're saved by grace. In fact, in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 9, Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. What we do flows out of who we are. We're saved by grace, not because our calendars are full of good things. We're saved by grace, not because we do a whole lot for God. We're saved by grace, not because we're the best of the best. We're saved by grace, not because of our own efforts. And if you struggle with this tension, this how do I live in freedom with the to-do list, let me tell you the voice of freedom again. Your time is not yours. It's his grace, not our striving. It's his grace, not our effort. It's his grace. God, keep us from lying to ourselves. Give us the privilege of knowing your instructions because we desperately need to have this reality check that who we are is completely separate from what we do. What we do is an extension of who we've been created to be. Uniquely designed for a purpose. So if you find yourself constantly caught in the too busy, can I ask you, what's the thing that you're doing to feel approved? What's the thing that you're doing to earn love? What's the thing that you're doing to earn what's been freely given and then listen to the voice of freedom that your time's not yours and you don't answer to the rush. You answer to the voice of truth and you don't answer to the striving. You answer to the grace of God, so let it go. Just stop doing it. Let it go. Because if you were doing it because that's who you are, it's probably not what you were called to in the first place. And if you're doing it just so, so and so will approve of you, it's probably not what you were supposed to do in the first place. Let it go. Have you ever watched the audition episodes of American Idol or So You Think You Can Dance or X Factor or any other talent-based shows? Those are actually the only episodes I watch. Just the auditions. Because they are full of people, comically and tragically, that have lied to themselves. Right? Now, granted, there are, like, there's a whole army of people behind them that were like, you're the best singer ever, and they will break glass. But it's full of people who have lied to themselves that desperately want to be something. And you see, we all walk around with these adjectives 
stuck to ourselves like invisible name tags. And I probably wouldn't walk up to you and be like, hello, I am, blah, 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 blah. But I wear them. And I wear them because that's who God created me to be when he knit me together in my mother's womb. He chose different things that are uniquely me when put together. It's a good thing. But here's what can happen is that because we all wear these things, when I walk up to you, I can look at your name tags and think, wow, I kind of like your name tags better than my name tags. And the lie begins. And the enemy starts whispering in my ear, well, you know what? You could wear that name tag too. You just need to do this. You just need to add that into your life. If you just put a little more effort into, if you just ran a little bit harder here, if you just strove a little bit harder here, even if this doesn't feel like you just add it in, add it in, add it in. And all of a sudden we get so caught up in this rush of trying to fit into a mold that was never ours, trying to be like someone else. And at the same moment that we are so caught up and stretched too thin, we are also begrudging who we were uniquely created to be. Have you ever felt that tug? God, keep me from lying to myself and give me the privilege of knowing your Instruction. See, the rush of deceit happens when I lie about who I am. When I listen to the voice of the enemy, then I get trapped and tangled into this web of finding myself so caught in rush, so busy, so stretched too thin, doing things that I was never meant to do, that I can't do the things I was. That I can't find that sweet spot that God purposed for me with all of who I am to flow into because I'm overwhelmed and stretched far too thin. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27, it describes how the community of faith is like a body, right? And God uses this illustration of the body because we can understand it. But can I widen that for a moment because God also designed how communities work and families work. And so we're going to use this overarching illustration. But if I'm a pinky toe, I don't like feet, but I think pinky toes are cute. If I'm a pinky toe, it's good for stability and looks nice in sandals. That's about it. But if I'm, if I'm a pinky toe and I decide that I really want to be a nose... Friends, I can try and be a nose all I want. But I'm going to run around, running myself ragged, accomplishing no smelling. Because I'm not a nose. I'm a pinky toe. You were created with a unique place in the body of Christ 
in your family, in your community, in your workplace. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instruction. Friends, I think if we find ourselves in this spot of frantic and overwhelmed, then we need to take a step back in silence and stillness and say, God, would you tell me what name tags you wrote out for me at my moment of creation when you say in your word that you knit me together marvelously and wonderfully When you did that with all the intention in the world, can you tell me what you wrote? Can you give me that understanding so that I know where I fit, so that I know what you've called me to, so that I know where I'm supposed to be, and I can do that no more but no less? And when we know the privilege of knowing his instructions, when we know his voice, then we can tame this voice of deceit that urges us just to do the one more thing. We can tame that voice that tells us in jealousy and comparison to just be more like so-and-so, that if we just do, someone will love us more, we'll get that approval, we'll earn God's favor. Friends, the rush of deceit tells us so many lies. But your time is not yours. Your time was laid out for you. And you don't answer to that rush. You answer to God. You don't answer to jealousy and comparison. You answer to God. You don't answer to your to-do list. You answer to God. And he promises us life abundant. He promises us a yoke that's easy and a burden that's light. And so if our time is not ours, if it has been entrusted to us, can we believe that the giver of good gifts is faithful to his word? Can we believe that the life he calls us to then is not going to be one of drudgery and stretched too thin and constant overwhelm and I'm not going to make it through the day? But if we would surrender to him, how we would find abundance and peace and rest and refreshment and fulfillment. And if you're feeling overwhelmed and stretched too thin, maybe it's time to sit down with your calendar and invite God to have a meeting. God, what what do I not do? And take a proactive step to choose, to determine, to pursue only what he's asked you to do. And let the rest go. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands for you expand my understanding. There's a flip side to this coin. Yes, we don't want to be people of rush and overwhelm. That does not (laughs) reflect Jesus well. It doesn't reflect the life of abundance that he's called us to. But there's a sobering reality too. That my time is not 
my own. Because like every gift that God gives for us to steward, at the end of my days, I'm going to have to stand before him and give an account of how I used it, to give an account of what I did with it. And so there's a freedom from the rush of doing too much, but there's also a sobering reality that I'm going to have to answer to God of whether or not I was faithful with this life, with the 24 hours of every day. And so there's this tension here, right? On the one hand, and it's so true, our worth is not in what we do. Faith is not about good works, but on the other hand, God's really, really clear that we better be doing something. In James 2, 17 to 18, James 2, 17 to 18, it says, In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Friends, who you are was designed because there's a unique purpose for your life. And you have been lovingly guided into your circles of influence for a reason because you have a part to play, not just in your story, but in God's own story. You have a specific role if you're willing to be faithful and obedient and say yes. But you also have the choice to say no. Let me go back to the body illustration from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27, because here's what I see happen everywhere. Not just in the church, but definitely in the church, in families, everywhere. There's a body. Every person's given a unique purpose and role to play. But the liver decides that they just don't want to do the role of a liver. They're just not, they're just going to sit out for a bit. And the body can function for a little bit until the body really begins to notice that the liver's missing. And so the elbow, with all of their good intentions, decides, you know what? I can do it. I can be an elbow and a liver. And so they take on all of the added role and responsibility of the liver. And you know what? The elbow can probably do it for a little bit of time. Until the elbow just no longer can sustain the rush of being the elbow and the liver, and the body loses the elbow and the liver. And before long, the body isn't functioning. Friends, loving Jesus is bare minimum. bare minimum of faith, but you weren't called to a life of bare minimum faith. You were called to pursue all that God is, to get into his presence and pursue him with abandon. You were called to get into your word and to know exactly what God says. You were called to do something out of the fullness of who you are, which was designed by a loving God for a purpose. You were called to more than bare minimum faith. Bare minimum never changed anything.
What has God been beckoning you towards and what's been holding you back? Perhaps it's a fear that you're just going to end up somewhere you just don't want to be. <laughs> we had a really well-meaning person come up to us once we were first married and was like, I see you on the mission fields of Africa. I was like, great, when Jesus tells me that, we'll be on an airplane, but he still hasn't 15 years later. And we feel that, like, God, if I say yes to you, you're going to lead me somewhere I don't want to be. It's a trust issue. Can you trust that God knows how he made you? I mean, he knows you better than you know you. And can you trust that if God asks you to do something, he actually already knows how it's going to turn out? He knows what's going to be cultivated in you. Some of you know this, some of you don't, but I didn't go to Bible college to do kids. I didn't go to Bible college for like a full pastoral. I went into Bible college to be a worship pastor. That was my plan, that was my goal. And in the church that we worked at, all of a sudden, all these kids' things just started falling on my lap, and I didn't understand because that wasn't the plan, God. But you know I found out? 13 and a half years later, it's the most fulfilling place to see a kid's eyes light up when they get it when they know who God is, when it transforms them. And all of that time, it wasn't a mistake that all of those things dropped in my lap. And even when I was annoyed and going, God, I don't understand what you're doing, that step of saying yes awakened me to something I would have missed if I had chosen to stay on my path. In my plan. Because God knows how he's designed us. Perhaps for you it's a fear of having the time or the energy to add that one more thing in. Friends, again, over my life, all of the times when I've said yes to God in crazy things where I was like, God, I don't know. Like still looking back, I still don't have the skills to do what he called me to do. Can we trust that he's competent? Can we trust that he's capable? Can we trust that he can keep things together in ways that us as humans can't? That when we say yes to him, he never leaves us hanging, but he's faithful in response. When we submit to his plans and purposes, when we are faithful, he is faithful. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. And when I set my eyes on Jesus and when I ask him to reveal to me what he set before me, when I wait in stillness on him, he is faithful to whisper what that next step is, what that yes is, what the invitation is into purpose and mission and abundant Life and friends, abundant life is not found in a life of ease. We learned that the hard way. 
There's no abundance when you're not in the place that God specifically laid out for you. There's no fulfillment there. There's no peace there. The life of abundance is when we fit into that unique role that God designed for us at our creation. No more, but certainly no less. Friends, we have to know the voice of God. If we have any hope of managing this tension between rush and rest, we must know the instruction of God. We must be able to discern his voice from our own, the unique plan he has for our lives. In Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, Ephesians 5, 15 to 16, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, because the days are short, because Jesus is coming back. And so I desperately want to be wise with my time. I desperately want to know where my yeses and my noes should lie. And if you're like me, Jesus promised to give us wisdom anytime we ask of it, freely and without reproach, so that we can discern because we will have to stand to give an account for this life. We will have to stand and give an account for how we spend our days, for where our focus is. And we will answer for the rush. We will answer when we neglect the Sabbath that we've been instructed to honor. We will answer when we get who we are mixed up with what we do. We will answer when we are tempted to thumb our nose and begrudge who we've been designed to be. We will answer for that. But we will also answer for our faithfulness or our lack of it. We will answer for whether or not we are obedient children or disobedient children. We'll answer for whether we did play the unique role he asked us to in his story. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, and we're going to sing through this song that we sang earlier, this prayer really, about building our life on the firm foundation of Jesus. Because here's what I know. I mean, we've talk, been talking a lot about who you are But when I look for who I am in me, I'm going to be caught up in a whole lot of lying to myself. Because who I want to be often trumps who I am. But when I look for who I am in Jesus, He's so faithful. Not just to whisper who I am, but to whisper beyond my brokenness to who he designed me to be. 
who in him I can be refined to be, who in him I can be healed to be. He calls me to that perfect person, that perfect version of me, not the broken and hurt and marred Lisa, but his uniquely designed and meticulously crafted, set apart Lisa. And if we take the moment to lift up his name, to set our gaze on him, and to allow him to speak, friends, I know that he'll whisper to you too who that unique and meticulously crafted and set apart you, you really are. Not the you that life kicked you in the gut and the lies of others have spoken. Not the you that dragged hurts and brokenness along the years. And it matters which you we think we are because what we do flows out of it. And I would much rather have what I do flow out of wholeness than brokenness, wouldn't you? So would you stand with me? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by setting it on Jesus, by lifting up his name alone. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let this song be our prayer.